Welcome back to the second of a two-part series with Dr. Jay Allen, president of Itawama Community College. My name is Matt Kirkner, your host for the Tech Ed Podcast. This week, we talk robotics, advanced manufacturing, lifelong learning, and the future of technical and community college education. Welcome to the Tech Ed Podcast, where we visit with leaders who are shaping, innovating, and disrupting technical education. People who are not afraid to think differently, not afraid to try something new, all with the goal of securing the American dream for the next generation of STEM and workforce talent. For our audience, you and I actually met through our mutual relationship with a gentleman by the name of Ron Wanick and his company, Ashley Furniture, by the way, a former guest on the Tech Ed Podcast himself. And his organization, Ashley Furniture, you, you mentioned the furniture industry's strong presence in Mississippi. He is certainly included among them. What advice would you have for other institutions of higher education that are looking to build relationships with regional employers similar to the one you're working on building with Ashley and others? Well, you're right. Ron Wanick, what a visionary. Largest furniture manufacturer in the world, as I understand it. Such a great partner in our region as well. And um, they have, I don't know, I'm going to say, Matt, 3,000 or so employees over at their, well, at all three or four of their locations in Northeast Mississippi. We're so proud to be a partner with them in their efforts for economic, both growth in this area, the development of our area, but also of the workforce. And so to your question, I would say that For me, what I have learned through the years is it's so important to visit their facilities. When you have an an industry partner, no matter at what level of partnership you might have with them, but visit their facilities. I, I do that. I try to do that once a month. And so I visit those facilities to see what they're producing and how and who's producing it for that matter. Um, then share how we are already making an impact. So how is ICC already or your college already making an impact? own their production process, their employee pool, the training of those individuals for the skills, not only of today, but for tomorrow, hopefully, and then show them also how we can make a larger impact in the future. And so I think that's really important. And then even sometimes on how our two organizations together could develop a stronger partnership to make a larger impact. And in the case of Ron Wanick and so many other uh, industry leaders, they're not only looking just to make an impact for their their company, but they realize for an industry as a whole that you just think about truck drivers. We need more truck drivers today. I could not educate enough in the next year to anywhere come close to flooding that market. There's no possible way. So if you think about just from a standpoint of that, if any company can help grow workers for that industry, not only will that company grow, but also will the other companies in the industry, whether they're a true competitor or not, the manufacturing process is often the manufacturing process. And so uh, whether you're making this chunk of metal that gets turned into a hydraulic system, or if you're making a couch, it's still a, a manufacturing process. And so increasing the ability of industrial magnet techs and so many others impacts the industry as a whole. So we want to make sure then before I ever make that visit, I want to make sure that our programs of study, credit and non-credit, are absolutely producing graduates or trainees with industry-recognized relevant skills, not just what we decide, but that they're industry-recognized as relevant skills, and that it's really about building that relationship and trust that each partner will do their part, and it'll be a win-win. It can't be a relationship where just the college loses or just the college wins. It's got to be a partnership where both entities win. And that we're not funded 
really to be everything to everybody anymore. But yet that's our mission. That's our goal. That's what we try to do. Of course, also the beautiful part of being college president is I get to go into that setting, listen and, and learn and go, yeah, we can make that happen. And then I turn around to my staff and say, how are we going to make that happen? And they're over there sweating bullets the whole time. But that's part of it is that we're going to find a way to meet those needs until we can't. And then when we can't, we're going to ask for help. It's the importance of building relationships, spending time with each other. You know, I think we are seeing a, a turn in the world of manufacturing and in the world of industry, the old rising tide lifts all ships. And in so many cases, you know, manufacturers, industrial employers that were competing with each other for talent have realized the last several years that in many cases they're competing with each other for the same group of people that in some cases can just make their rounds from company to company. And unless we, to your point, grow the overall workforce and create a larger group of individuals with relevant skills. And I love the reference to relevance. Until we do that, we're really not going to solve the problem. And I also agree that I I believe it starts with those in-person visits, those in-person discussions that you began that last answer with. And and that's really how we can build and create long-lasting relationships. Speaking of visiting manufacturing plants, you know, it was just a few years ago that I visited Ashley's plant in Arcadia, Wisconsin. That plant alone employs 5,000 people. And we saw about a half a dozen, maybe maybe two dozen robots in that facility. And I was at the same plant about three or four weeks ago. And they, they've deployed more than 300 industrial robots across the manufacturing operation just in Arcadia, Wisconsin. So it really speaks to the changing world of work and it speaks to the changing list and cadre of skills that our team members, that our students, that our graduates must have as they enter the workforce. How is ICC preparing students for the changing world of work as advanced manufacturing technologies become more commonplace? Since 1948, we've been training students for the workforce. You know, I like to say that even an English class is actually a workforce class. If we're training you to be a better writer, whether it be technical writing skills or just general writing skills, you're going to be a better employee. That's the reality of it. We know that we focus so much on our career technical programs and our workforce training. So we, we continue to train people at all levels with relevant skills, but we have obviously tremendously turned our attention to the future. So what is coming next? On those industry tours that we talked about that I go on, As I go through the process and I go through that tour, I begin to ask the question, so what is coming next to your industry that we can help with? I make it clear that we cannot make wholesale changes overnight. And sometimes that may be what's needed, but we rarely can ever do that from both a time, a cost, a skill set standpoint. But if we know what's coming, if we know that more robots are coming to the manufacturing floor, and the particular brand of that uh, or the model of that robot, then we can begin to plan and look for opportunities to leverage the dollars we have with maybe partnering dollars from somewhere else, and sometimes even from that industry, where we can say, okay, we're going to make a commitment to be ready for that change to occur. And then we're going to look, if it's buying equipment, if it's finding an instructor with the appropriate skill set, which is harder and harder to do, and harder to hard to be competitive salary-wise for those people. But we're going to be financially ready and ready from a curriculum standpoint to make that change and be ramped up when the time is right. Years ago, we actually started a robotics program, but it was really too early. It really was too early. And so we, we, we recently have brought that back. We have a robust industrial maintenance program. It's got a very strong apprenticeship model embedded into that program. 
Ashley Furniture, as we've talked about, is one of our partners in that, one of our, our apprenticeship partners. I think just recently they were telling me they got nine of our students that will be doing an apprenticeship with them. And of course, their goal is to ultimately hire them. If there's a mutual agreement on the back end, they want to hire that student at the end of that. But we took some of our existing coursework and created a new robotics and automated engineering program that we know is going to have an impact not only today, but really more importantly, in the days to come. And it's not just that they're learning, okay, well, here's a robot and we're going to learn how to code it. and We're going to learn how to repair it and put a new end of tool piece of equipment on that. But we're also dealing with autonomous vehicles um, that move around a plant, that carry items around a plant, that know when to move, how to dodge people. It's not following a tape on the ground. It's actually coding that's allowing that to occur. And, and in some cases, maybe using GPS technology. That is the future, but it's also now. We have industry partners that are already using those exact items that we purchased, and they're using them today. Well, we've got to be able to train people to not only code that, modify that actual mechanical device, and add apparatuses to it to meet the needs of that industry. So that's why we started that program. But we also have similar efforts in our non-credit area and in, in workforce training, but also in our health science division. So our, we have a very strong nursing and, and allied health program here at the college, and we always keep that eye on what is relevant and what is coming in the future and what are our industry's needs in, the, in those service areas that we need to add. So we're working right now to add a sonography program because we know we saw that. The college, again, had one some 10 plus years ago, and it just wasn't viable but we believe it will be today. And so we're bringing that program back and making a financial investment. And we know that through our research with industry partners, it's needed. And so we're looking forward to getting that started as soon as possible. So sonography, health science, technology, teaching students how to code now smart devices and smart sensors. We talked about robotics. We talked about autonomous vehicles. It's a good chance for me to share that our producer, Melissa Martin, and I took our first ride in an autonomous vehicle on the road this week, actually driving through the streets of uh, Racine, Wisconsin, in a, in a driverless car. It was fascinating, in your case, talking about the autonomous vehicles that are making their way around manufacturing plants, moving material, delivering product to where it needs to go. It really is incredible how the world of manufacturing technology continues to evolve and continues to disrupt manufacturing, in some cases, in really, really good ways. So I want to talk now a little bit more about this whole concept of disruption, Dr. Allen. It's been the theme of the last year and a half, as we all know, both in education and in industry. You talk about looking to the future, and, and you mentioned that in your last answer. How will education look different five years from now, whether that is in terms of how we teach our students, who those students are, or what it is that we're teaching them? I think we're going to see more and more incumbent workers coming back to the educational setting. And it's going to look perhaps different than it might have looked in the past. Some of that may be in an online format. Some of it may be in very short-term training. It may be in more extended training periods where they're actually going to earn a, a college degree or certificate before they leave in that training period. But in many cases, they're going to come back, I think, for that short-term training. And so that may be to retool to keep the job they, ha they have because it's changing or to get the job they want within that same career field, or they're changing careers altogether. And my wife could be a perfect example of that. Some years ago, after teaching school for four or five years, came back to a community college that I was working at and got her nursing degree, associate degree in nursing, has loved being a registered nurse. And But even since then, she's gone back to the classroom as well and taught again and been a school nurse. So I mean, you know, she kind of is back and forth and using both of those credentials career-wise. I think we're gonna also see that this is gonna begin to impact not only who, but how when and where. So we may find ourselves 
having to find ways to educate individuals later into the evening. I have a sister institution in this state serving central Mississippi, large metropolitan area, and they started a midnight welding program and have been immensely successful with that. Now, that's a lot of that. It's about numbers. Do you have enough people to constitute running a midnight as well as a day? But what they also found is those midnight students who were usually coming off of a shift. And so they were shift working already in a manufacturing setting. They're coming in doing welding. And they were some of the most focused, dedicated and successful students, which is, is tremendous to see that gain. And so I think we may change a little about when and where we educate those students. I think, and I've been thinking this for a while, Matt, and I'll throw this out there. I have nothing to really back it up just other than I, I, just what I see coming. I think we may see more individuals coming to us. They may be adult when they do this, but they're going to come to us for short-term training to earn a relevant credential, an industry-recognized credential, that will take them immediately to the workforce. Then down the road, whether that be a year, two years, three years, five years, they will be back to gain the next layer level of similar training in the same career field or something adjacent to go back to the workforce. They probably will never leave it. They will just be doing this as an incumbent worker, but they will be gaining the next credential in a short-term format to go back to the workforce, and then they would come back again and again and again. I think we may see that. We've already seen it with people coming in to change careers kind of midway through life, some of them actually retiring early from from a career field and then coming back. But I think we're going to see this kind of constant educational process that keeps them relevant within the working world. Because if you think about how fast technology is changing, how can any institution really expect to educate a person for the next 30 years of their career that has any involvement with technology? We know it's going to change. And all we can do is provide that foundation that they're ready for that change. But in some cases, they'll have to come back and we'll get to provide that next layer that is relevant to the technology of today. You know, I have so many members of my family that grew up in a manufacturing world and an industrial world where you really could graduate from high school and secure a certain level of skill and ability. And that could carry you in so many ways through an entire career. And I think more and more people, almost everybody now, probably waking up to the idea that that's no longer the world of work, which to me is really exciting, right? I mean, I would much rather go through life learning new things, having new roles, having new responsibilities in the workplace, then doing exactly the same thing and in, in retiring from a career. Not that there was anything wrong with that either. It's just a little bit more exciting and interesting to live in the world in which we do. And I would say your reference to this whole idea that employees will go work in the workforce and then come back for relevant training throughout their career isn't necessarily even just an option for employees, but it's going to be an imperative if they want to continue to grow uh, within their, their world of employment. And so without question, I think that that is a trend that we're going to see as time moves on. And we're already seeing in many cases in the workforce and in the way that employers interact with their local community and technical colleges. Now, your institution, ICC, was just announced as a winner of the American Association of Community Colleges Mentor Links Advancing Technological Education Program. Tell us about the goals of this initiative, which ICC has called, and I love this, Full STEM Ahead, Promoting Pathways in STEM. I got tickled at their at their title. I thought it was actually great as well, Matt. And I'll say that, you know, it's promoting pathways in STEM. And if you think about it, as I look across my 25-year career, community college education, we simply are not educating as many students in the science and math curriculum as we used to. And, and that's disheartening. And if you think again, to be globally competitive, we've got to do that. And we've got to get people excited about this coursework 
prepared to handle the difficulty of this coursework, it's not easy. It's not. But getting them both ready and excited to do that and engage. And that's part of this is some engagement opportunities as well. So ultimately, our goals are increase enrollment and retention in STEM courses and career education programs, increase the number of graduates in STEM fields in career education programs, facilitate student transfer into STEM programs. So they're going to be transferring to a university in a related STEM program, we hope, that's our goal, and then assist students in navigating. And this is what's really special, I think. We want to assist them in navigating the different career paths in STEM at ICC in both academic and the technical side of the house. So oftentimes they think in order to be STEM, I've just got to get a bachelor's degree and go on to a university. Well, maybe not. There are STEM, as we've discussed, many STEM-related programs right here in technical programs that we can prep them for and get them ready to go to the next level. The first component of the grant really is where we're going to take a two-hour course that is an introduction to STEM-related fields of study and provide that to students that are interested. They're going to explore opportunities and, and challenges in the field of biology, chemistry, physics, information system programming, information system networking, mathematics, advanced manufacturing, precision manufacturing and machining, industrial maintenance, industrial electricity, robotics, automation, welding. So you can see we're covering not just the academic world, but that career technical world as well. And then I'll say that we're going to also let them get some exploration with conceptual tools by scientists and engineers that will be used in that profession. Also, um, providing them some hand-on experience, which, in my opinion, is always so important to have hands-on experience and, and shadowing opportunities to find out if this is something you really are interested in or not. And then we will also be doing experience and practice will include effective time management, teamwork, challenge-based instruction, and the communication of technical information. So, you know, one of, I think, the challenging things in any technically oriented field is how do you communicate that information, and especially to a non-technical person? We want to make sure that these students have the opportunity to see academic perspective of STEM as well as a career education perspective. So that's what we're looking at. They're going to meet bi-yearly to review the course for updates and changes, and the course is scheduled to begin fall of 22. That's just fascinating. You know, I serve as an advisor to an engineering program, in this case, a four-year engineering program in the Midwest. And we just had a meeting not too long ago talking about why students choose just in terms of different disciplines within engineering. And it's amazing how, in some cases, uninformed their decisions are in terms of what, you know, what they're going to pursue. And it's because, you know, my father did this or my friend's dad did that and seems to like that job or, or my, you know, my friend's mom had this particular job in engineering and I want to pursue that particular engineering field. In your case, first of all, I love the way you've opened up this whole idea of STEM. And it really is and should be, you know, not just the pursuit of a physics degree, a biology degree, but all the opportunities on the technical side of STEM as well. And in so many cases, those bleed over into each other. But giving students the exposure and the understanding of what some of these career pathways are is so very, very important. Now, the full STEM Ahead project consists of three components. I know you went through a number of different aspects of the program already. Tell us a little more about each of these components and what students will experience in each of them. So one of the other components of this that we haven't mentioned is there's a STEM club. And I talked about engagement a while ago. Um, I've seen this happen throughout my career where we have so many clubs and organizations, intramural sports and the like, that reach quite a number of students. But where we may be lacking is reaching those STEM students, giving them their, their point of engagement with the college and with their peers. And the great opportunity to bring in speakers that they actually are going to be interested in hearing from and learning what's out there career-wise. You know, you can get an engineering degree and use it in so many ways. 
more ways than even I would typically even begin to dream of. And so it's letting them see some of that and what might be occurring. So we're going to have a STEM club that's available to all three of our locations. Again, that purpose is to connect them with STEM-related fields. The club will provide students with the opportunity to attend events, speakers. They're going to network, which is going to be vitally important for them. And they're going to have the opportunity to meet with those representatives as well from universities and local companies that can begin to paint that picture of the opportunities that are ahead as well. And then I think kind of one of the neat things is they're probably going to get the opportunity to engage in some new technology and support ICC service area through community service as well. It's going to be the kind of that holistic club approach that we take in so many ways, but it'll be STEM focused. And then the third component that we haven't really talked about is we're going to have a in the spring each year a uh, STEM week. And so it will be dedicated to all things STEM. It will be open not only to those students, but to other students as well. And it's going to be that opportunity for ICC to really recruit other people into this program. Each day of the week will showcase a different career opportunity in STEM. Speakers, industry partners, college recruiters will all be involved. In addition, ICC will host field activity events to spark students' interest in STEM. So I could almost imagine, if possible, I'll throw out there, they may hate me for this challenge, but you know, here we've got some kind of robotic-type scenario, and you're having to go and retrieve items and move items around and out in the field. I mean, there's so many different things. And, and I, I will say, I just can't help but throw this in at this moment, but we recently purchased a robotic painter for our athletic fields. It takes six to eight guys two days to paint our football field at the beginning of the season. And then every week somebody's maintaining that. Well, it takes one guy six hours to paint that field with that robot. And it's, it's using both GPS. And, and the great thing is on our soccer field, they don't have to go find the corner. They just tell that joker to go and it goes. And if they want to do 707 for soccer camp, it'll turn that joker around and it'll paint three 707 fields on our soccer field. I mean, it's amazing what it can do. But what, what an opportunity for them to see that in action and realize, hey, there's coding behind this. There's so many different mechanical components behind this. What's next? What, what can it do next? What's the next thing? And we already know there's robotic mowers out there. Is that really something that we will see in our, at our own house in the future? It very well be. We have robotic vacuums. You know, why can't we? But I'll tell you the other thing I think that will happen is, these faculty members that are heading this up, man, they're excited about it. I think they grow more and more excited each week. We've already had some new grant opportunities come in place that will allow one of our students to partner with a university to do some STEM level research. And so it's going to be really neat to give our students opportunities beyond what typically even our college can offer. And so that's what I'm really excited about. We will start that STEM week is scheduled for spring of 2023. I want to be at STEM week and I want to see that robotic painter. And, you know, I was thinking as you were telling that story, Dr. Allen, about the commercial years ago where the Kansas City Chiefs were painting their field for a Sunday game and had just finished a beautiful end zone. And one of the players walks by and looks at the guy painting the end zone and says, wow, that looks great. But who are the chefs? Uh And so now we have (laughs) in this particular case, hopefully we'll have spell check on that robotic painter as well to make sure that that we don't have any mistakes like that. But that's just a technology, even as you were chatting about it. I think about the world of paint robots in, in industry. And then I think about the world of the robotic vacuum cleaner that you referenced. And it's really the convergence of technologies like that. And, and the sky is the limit. And credit to you and ICC for that STEM week and the opportunity to expose so many students to these great careers in STEM. They really are interactive. They're fun. They're fascinating. And I'm looking forward to seeing the results of that entire program. Now, I know your grant funding runs through the year 2023, which is approaching us here in a couple of years. 
What are the long-term plans for retaining some of those experiences after the grant funding runs its course? Well, you know, Matt, we always hope that we'll have the opportunity to renew the grant if possible in any of our grant programs, renew that grant and or seek perhaps additional grants that can help us continue that. But ICCs, really, we've had, we have a practice of using our own funds or grant dollars or marrying those two together to give a project or a concept a great start. And then we're going to see how that works. And we're just going to kind of discern the level of investment and the level of impact that return on investment we received and see if we can keep it going, even if the grant, any other private dollars dry up. How can we keep that going? And is that return on investment worth that? And, and in many cases, it is. And so that's that's our plan is we could probably run this without those grant dollars. What, But what our faculty will have to do is return back to us, what is the actual cost to continue these things going? So oftentimes, your initial startup is so much. But after you get things rolling, we're able to do that. And we may have industry partners that step in and say, hey, I want to be a part of that, too. That's the other thing, because it is an exciting way to get students involved in, in an area of study that we need more students in. You know, as a manufacturing CEO who lived and breathed for 23 years, the world of manufacturing, I should say recovering manufacturing CEO, because I'm on to other things now. I love the focus on return on investment and ROI and making sure the investments that we're making on the public side, making sure the investments we're making in our community colleges are providing that return. And so making sure that we're using those dollars to the greatest benefit of our community and our students. So I appreciate your insights on that. I would also appreciate your insights on our very last question here, Dr. Allen. And it's a question we ask all of our guests here on the Tech Ed Podcast. If you had one piece of advice for a high school student, say a high school sophomore, as they consider their future and what lies ahead, what would that piece of advice be? Well, you know, I'm going to think back to my own high school sophomore days, all through through high school. While I was immensely involved in extracurricular activities, and that was that was probably where I excelled. My focus in the classroom was nowhere near what it should have been. So, if I could go back and tell Jay Allen what to do it, sophomore year at Wingfield High School, which would have been, I guess, about 1987, would be step it up in the classroom. The effort will pay off. It's cool to study. It's cool to be successful in a classroom. Step up. It will pay off. And it will make your college years a little bit easier. It will probably also open your, your vision a little bit as to what you can do academically. But I would say just in general, don't get frustrated trying to nail down that career path. Let's face it. We asked 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds, we are a 15-year-old in some cases in a sophomore year. We're putting a lot of pressure on them to pick a career and training for that career for the rest of your life. That may be a little unrealistic. I have a horticulture degree. I obviously don't use that horticulture degree day to day. Now, I can have my opinion on landscaping at the college quite quickly, but I don't use it every day. But I realized along the process, as much as I love that coursework, this was not me. And what was natural, became natural to me, was student recruiting, admissions, those type things. And, and that's what I, I ended up focusing in on master's and, and PhD was the student development, higher education, leadership, those areas, because that's really what was me. And, and, and I think it paid off. But I would also add for that sophomore in high school, look into multiple career paths and shadow people in that career. Find out what life is like in that career. It may be what it may spark a fire in you to do that more than you could have ever imagined, or you may go, absolutely not. I do not want a part of that. Um, but also find mentors in the field that can provide guidance on degrees, colleges, and experience to broaden your vision of what that field's really like. 
And I, I think we all need mentors in our career, but it's not too early to start because some of those mentors can say, hey, I tell you what, I can tell you when we hire people, when they come from this institution, we know that they are set up for success because they're focused on these relevant skills. And sometimes that, that can put you on the right path there alone. And then never overlook the local community college. I mean, I couldn't help but say that as a community college president, never overlook the local community college as a great place to start. And if you're not happy with your local community college or you don't have one close by, ICC is always available. We have residence halls and the like, but really that local community college is able to provide such a tremendous opportunity in education and a pathway to a great future. It worked for me. I'm a community college graduate. And it worked for me. And I know that it gave me the foundation to be where I am today by degree, by confidence level in the classroom and outside, and also the experiences inside and outside of the classroom were instrumental in preparing me for not only the next level of the last two years of my bachelor's degree, but beyond. And I had the blessing of going back to work at that same college for 16 years and I sent community college. And I can tell you, we change people's lives every day through education. We really do. And if students will give us that chance, I believe we can do that for them. And so I just challenge them to look at that local community college and see what a difference they can make. Also financially, to be able to get that first two years out of the way with so little cost is tremendous value for them. Changing lives every single day at a community college and especially at ICC. Great advice. It's cool to study. Uh, We should consider multiple career pathways, find people who can mentor you, find people that you can shadow. Really, really good advice from the president of Itawamba Community College, Dr. Jay Allen. And I want to just reflect a little bit on a really interesting discussion, Dr. Allen. I mean, you never know where we're going to go when we get on the Tech Ed Podcast. I'll admit that I had no idea we would get into robotic painting. We talked a little bit about the College World Series, uh, certainly the importance of STEM education, your STEM week, the changing technology in education, the importance of building world-class relationships with manufacturing employers, getting out and into their facilities. Tons and tons of great advice for anybody in education, anybody in industry. I just want to thank you for taking time out of what I know is an incredibly busy schedule and sharing all of that wisdom with us here today on the Tech Ed Podcast. Thank you for the opportunity, Matt. And thank you so much. I enjoyed being with you. I hope that it's been impactful. And I appreciate you taking time to have an interest in not only community colleges, but what we can do to enhance and move the workforce in this country and in our states forward. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tech Ed Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, leave a review, and if you like this episode, share it with a friend. New episodes launch every Tuesday, so listen in next week.